Yo, what's happening, guys? Thought I'd sit down and record a solo podcast here and give you guys an update on my season thus far. It's been absolutely awesome. I've had more time than I've ever had. Uh, been chasing critters all over the West, both with my own tags and buddies' tags and just some great experiences. And when it's so fresh in my mind, I feel like I can describe insight into bow hunting and into stalking and into mindset and all these things that'll hopefully help you guys in your upcoming season as I know you guys have some good hunts coming up. So we'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple of my sponsors. I want to thank Matthew's Bows. I say it all the time that I that that Matthews builds the absolute best bows and I truly believe it. Um, I, I'm a fan of compound bows. I shoot a lot of them. And this research and development team with this Matthews, this new VXR, it is the best bow that I've ever shot. Uh, the bow is so forgiving, such a great draw cycle, and then it just holds on target really well. And, and I say forgiving, I think that's the best attribute a bow can have is forgiveness. Uh, where if you, you miss your mark a little bit, that arrow still gets in the center, still gets in the group. And, and Matthews has done that with this VXR. I'm getting a ton of performance out of it, and I'm just walking around with absolute confidence in the mountains this year. Um, that, that bow is doing its job, and I have been beating it up for a month. Uh, I mean, on the backpack, off the backpack, on dirt bikes, and I'll get into my hunts here. And that thing still, I did a good session this morning. I just got home. And, and that thing is just absolutely right on the money. Uh, so they're building great bows, in my mind, the best bows out there. So if you guys are in the market for a new bow, make sure to go check out that new VXR or check out some of the other Matthews bows that they have, um, just building great bows. I also want to thank Everly Stock. Uh, Everly Stock builds a great pack for the price point. Uh, they have a pack for every different meat and, and every different need. And in fact, I'm just getting my kite pack back and my kite pack is my favorite day pack. So I had a problem with the zipper on it, sent it over, warranty department took care of it, got it fixed right away, sent back to me. Those guys are just great. Um, so I've got my kite pack all fixed, which is my day pack, which I really enjoy using. It's It's light enough to where you can day hunt with it. It compresses tight to your back. So you don't have a big bulky pack. I'm able to move with it. I'm able to stock with it. And then if I harvest an animal, it's burly enough to be able to take out meat on it. Um, it it's got a great waist belt, uh, uh, great suspension on it, uh, pack lifts. Uh, it's just a really good pack for the money. So finally got my kite pack back here, and I'll be using that. And then I use the little big top for smaller expedition hunts where I'm going two to five days and then I've been using um, the Destroyer a lot. And the Destroyer is a bigger expedition-style pack. And it'll get me up to 10 days worth of gear inside that pack. And those packs, they just pack the weight so well. So I, I've been using that for these longer expedition hunts. And actually, I've been using it for some of my shorter stays, too, just as it packs the weight so well. So they've got a pack for every different need. If you're in the market for a new pack, make sure to check out Everly Stock. And we sure appreciate the support over here at Eastman's. And with that, check out everything we have going on at Eastman's. The Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal, the Beyond the Grid Internet TV show. Uh, check out uh, Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel. 
And uh, you can also check out my fly fishing podcast, Eastman's Flycast. Find it anywhere where podcasts are found. I got some good ones coming up with uh, Dan Picard and uh, some other buddies on there. So if you're interested in fly fishing, make sure to check that out. And uh, as always, thanks for the support on the podcast. I uh, really appreciate it. Just trying to get you guys that that good information that's going to help you be successful this year. So I absolutely love doing this podcast and, and um, having your guys' support and encouragement just means the world to me. So thank you for that. So let's get into this. I, I titled this podcast, um, well, I'm going to title it. I haven't done it yet, but uh, I had this idea shooting around my head that that failure is the prerequisite for success or failure is the building blocks to success. And I'll get into it. Uh, I had some some major heartbreak yesterday. In fact, I I I had to fight my I had to fight everything in in my nature to not throw a tantrum and throw my bow or my binos. Now I don't do that anymore. I don't get that upset at things, but I was so frustrated. Uh, so I'll get into it. Uh, uh, missed a really good deer yesterday, and um, man, oh man, I worked hard for that deer. So let's let's just start it. I'm gonna do it in in chronograph. Jesus, I'm losing my brain. I drove like half the night last night to get home. I've got a a wedding today, September 5th. Um, Who gets married in September? It's ridiculous. I always said, you know, and and I could have missed the wedding. It's just a a matter of going with my family and having a good time. Like I say, I've been able to chase my dreams this season and and be out in the woods nonstop. And um, so, you know, it's the least I can do is come home and hang out with them and go to this this wedding it's for my cousin Dylan and um definitely got to give him some hell for a September wedding you can tell he's not a bow hunter but uh we'll go have a good time here and um couple day break do some laundry uh re up on my gear and get back out there so um chronological was the word I was trying to think of so chronological uh, order here so we finished that Nevada hunt I did a, a a recap on it that that muley hunt I was able to arrow a nice muley there uh, just meant the world to me and able to have a great adventure you know which is truly what I'm looking for like um you know yesterday I had these thoughts about um success and 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 chasing excellence and you know you I definitely want to be successful. I have this goal in mind and I'm working really hard towards it. Um, but, but really it's not the excellence that makes me happy or the success that makes me happy. If I don't enjoy the journey or the process, and you guys have heard me talk about this, but I have to enjoy the entire process, the journey, the suffering, the hard work that I put into it, the preparation, like, like I have to enjoy the pursuit of excellence more than the excellence. And I, I really do. I, um, I love putting my absolute all into this game, and um, the the game I chose, bow hunting or backcountry bow hunting, uh, success it isn't guaranteed, and it's going to come down to these these moments, these brief windows uh, of being able to be clutch and close a deal, being able to make that shot. But in that same breath, like um, I you know I don't believe I could prepare any more than I prepared this season. And, and I've also, I have a bunch of experience closing deal on animals, and I've proven that, that I'm clutch, that I have ice water running through my veins and can make those shots. But even that still, there are circumstances that can arise. And, you know, I thought about it, you know, like a comparison to sports. Like Kobe Bryant was one of the greatest of all times. 
but he didn't hit every game-winning shot. He hit a lot of them, but he also missed some and lost some games. And what did he do? Went right back to work, and the next game, he's shooting that game-winner again. He believed in himself. So even though I missed my game-winner yesterday, um, you know, I I believe in myself, and I believe in my skill set, and, and I believe in my ability to be clutch and to be able to make those shots. So what do I do? Get right back to work. Get my stuff packed up and get out hunting again and and earn another opportunity and earn that redemption and put that perfect arrow in that animal. So uh, I'll, I'll let you guys know the circumstances, but I, I just want to go through the hunt. And um, I, I think there's just great tips that are embedded in this podcast or will be embedded in this podcast just from everything I've learned. You know, you can think about hunting a lot in the off season or when you're not hunting, but in real time when you're out there and, and, and you're hunting, like some of these 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 nuances become so crystal clear of what you need to do or things that you learn from mistakes that you make or things that I could have done better and if I share those with you I think you guys can can take that and and learn from it and be better in your own situations and in your own scenarios and during your own hunts so uh, finished that that early season hunt, arrowed a nice buck down there. It's just awesome to start out the season that way. And then my buddy Dan had a really good elk tag. Now a really good tag, it just it doesn't guarantee good hunting. And so we went down. It was a Nevada elk tag, early season, August fifteenth to August thirty first. And um, so you know, just trying to be a good friend. And, and part of this whole journey for me is making my friends and family better around me, making my hunting partner better. I want to have him be successful or just as successful as I am. And he's just a great friend, great hunting partner. So I told him I'd hunt this tag, uh, even though it takes away from some of my own hunts. Uh, you know, I have a great mule deer tag that opened August 15th that I wasn't able to go on. I have to hunt it later. So I'm just getting back from that one. Um, so, so it's, it's definitely taken time away, but I, I want to be a good friend, good hunting partner. And so I want to be there for Dan and I want to see him kill his best bull to date. Uh, so we showed up down there so smoky when we showed up, there is, um, a lightning storm in California and, and there was like over 10,000 strikes of lightning one night and it sparked over 300 fires and those fires were burning on the Nevada California border and so we were getting a bunch of smoke from the fire and um, with elk it's all about being able to look far you know a lot of times you see them a long ways off and then move to them Um, so it really handicapped us to start with Um, so we started hunting um, and started focusing kind of in this high country and and we turned up a couple good bucks and it's a tough mule deer tag as well Uh, Tony Treach actually had the the mule deer tag down there so we were able to find a shooter buck found a couple of them and able to to put um give tony the location of one and and likewise tony was down there hunting deer but he was also looking for elk so we got some great tips from him able to work together to kind of give each other information to you know to to better hunt the unit and so we got down there started hunting found some good bucks told tony about them and then um we started turning up some bulls but you know a lot of smaller bulls dan's looking for a really nice six point and I'll be honest, like a, a, a premium tag like that that's that tough to draw, uh, I expected it to, to, to be a little bit, not easier. What it, I, I just expected to see more quality bulls. And, and we did in the end. We just had to work really hard for it. And it's tough. Like, you know, a lot of these places I, I hunt, 
you know, I've never been to her. I don't know the unit. I had been to this unit hunting deer, but never elk. And so you're just starting from scratch. And, and to be able to go and learn a unit and learn where these game populations are, it's a, it's a real skill because the, the elk and the mule deer, they're not spread out all over the unit. They, they have like certain slices of country that they like or that they favor. And so it's our job to, to figure out where those slices are and then hunt them and then try to transpose that country or that information to other places in the unit. But you only have an hour in the morning and an hour at night. Like you do have some other time to explore, maybe catch a bull, move in beds. But these animals, they're just not moving middle of the day, especially not when it's 90 degree heat. And um, so so your window is really limited. But it, it's just executing this game plan that we put together on maps and, and on X, like researching the unit and then, you know, using that information in real time. Um, so, so we really, um, we got drawn to this, this rough and rugged country. We explored the unit, uh, went down South, went down on the, the East side, the East side, there is a lot of roads and something that's new for me this year is, um, a, a dirt bike. I've never owned a dirt bike. Uh, had, I had, um, you know, a Honda 90 as a kid or something that was, uh, old broke down Honda 90, but I've never owned a dirt bike. You know, I'm, I'm spooked to uh, hurt myself on one of those things. And two, so I'm learning a lot about using these things. So dirt bikes, animals definitely run from that sound of dirt bikes, four wheelers, side by sides. It's like a, it's not as quiet as a truck, but the deal is, is the truck just won't get me everywhere I need to go. All these units, even if you're hunting wilderness, there's just access roads that get you to the edge. And these access roads, I've always tried to beat my truck up getting up there. And you should see the bottom of my trucker when I go to trade these things in. I, I put a lot of wear and tear on these things, and I don't mind doing that. It just takes forever to make it down some of these roads with the truck. And some of them, you just can't make them down. They're just four-wheeler roads. And so we had the idea... Uh, to, to get a dirt bike this year, especially uh, one of the tags that we drew, there's a lot of roads in the area, uh, but they're all four-wheeler roads. And so without that, you're really handicapped. And over the years, I've always just hiked. I've always been tough and hiked. I'll park my truck. I'll walk up a couple miles of road to then access country. But I'm, I'm really using a lot of my energy just to get up to access. And so I figured, you know, get a, get a dirt bike. And I got this smaller one, one I could handle. It's like a, we tease and laugh the whole time that it's a girl's bike or a kid's bike. It's a little, um, oh, just a Kawasaki 125 or plenty of power for me. My legs can touch the side. And really for me, it's all about being safe. I don't need to go roost or, um, you know, that, that's not what I got it for. And I'm also learning with these tools that there, there's a correct way to use them or an effective way to use them. And people that use the dirt bikes and side-by-sides and four-wheelers, and not all of them, but people get caught in this trap of then just driving around and getting lazy, and they they just drive to the vantage points they can see. They're not seeing animals. Oh, the unit's junk, or the you know this isn't working, or whatever. So a lot of guys get caught in this trap of getting on those things. So it's really important to me to just use this as a tool. It is a tool to get me up these dirt roads, get me a better access point, and then park that dang thing and go hike. And always make sure that I'm parking that thing before crests of hills, uh, before it exposes other country, park it, shut it off, and walk over the top and look, and then, you know, really get away from that thing, use it to access and to hike in country. So I'm learning a lot about it. It is a great tool, but it it is like 
like there's so many guys now that have these side by sides and four wheelers that some of this roaded country, there's a lot of pressure in there. And so we went on this east side and there was a lot of guys driving around and driving these side by sides up and we just didn't turn many elk up in there. It's there's too much pressure, too many guys in it. But then there's other little skitter roads and things we can find that nobody's drove up and you park at the end and go hiking and you have it all to yourself. So it, it's really been a great tool for getting access. Now, I have had to learn a little bit like, uh, you know, my number one thing is to not get hurt on it, to take it easy, to be in control. Pretty much throw that out the window. Like <laughs> just constantly going for it, no matter what I'm doing, if I'm hiking or if I'm riding and there's always some road you're trying to get up or some hill and. Oh my gosh, I've been on some sketchy terrain, but I'm really building my skill set on those things where I've got a lot more confidence. And Dan, he owned he owned dirt bikes as a kid. I mean, it's just second nature to him. He's rode dirt bikes and street bikes, and he gave it up for quite a few years because of some some wrecks he had on things, uh, on, mostly on his street bike. He was saying, but man, he had some bad wrecks on his dirt bike as a kid. You imagine giving a kid full of testosterone that much power behind a dirt bike and cut him loose in the mountains? Oh my gosh, I'm glad I'm getting one now and not as a. I would have hurt myself for sure. And so, there is a learning curve with it, and I'm getting pretty good with it, but. <laughs> I've had a couple wrecks. <laughs> oh man, uh, I had a bad one this last trip. Oh my gosh, we were, um, you know, on a gravel road, and it's like one rock can just throw you off your course. And you do have really good control, and it's all about picking your lines. But some of this is just a loose, rough, rugged country. And so uh, I was coming around a corner downhill, and um, wasn't on the brakes too hard or anything, was on second gear, and that front tire locked up and skidded on me, and um, I went over the handlebars. I, I went straight over. Now, I wasn't going that fast, and luckily, um, I'm good at falling. I told you guys about that fall I had on the Sphinx the other day when I was running down that thing, but this one was pretty bad. I, I went over the handlebars. I actually didn't scrape myself up at all. The only scrape I got was on my hands. I hit and then did a roll all over these rocks. I wasn't thinking about anything. It was all reaction, but ended up doing a front flip and landed on my feet and then walking away. The, the only thing I did, I snapped my stabilizer on my bow that was on my pack. I don't know how it hit or what it got caught on. It all happened so fast. Didn't hurt myself at all, but it does spook me. It's like, man, I cannot get hurt on this thing. So uh, I had that rack. Um, I laid down the bike a couple times. Uh, my worst one, uh, was the first trip we took and um, riding gravel roads. And we did like 40 or 50 miles riding around the range that day, just getting a feel for it and coming into a creek bottom a little hot and got on my front brake and it locked up and slid out from under me. And um, I kind of bruised the top of my leg where the handlebar hit me and then scraped up my arms a little bit where I went down. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, it's uh it's uh, always a struggle for me, but I'm getting better on those things. Um, I'm getting better on that, that bike and gaining confidence with it, but boy, I got to be careful on that thing. It's just everything needs to be in control, and you can't ride timid on those things. Uh, you have to almost ride aggressively, and um, they're, they're an amazing tool, and, and I've had fun learning it, but I've also learned that uh, you you can't get caught in riding those bikes, and especially not like morning hours. You think you could travel so much country and look at so much, but it 
that's just not the game for me. The game is to ride it and then hike up to a vantage point, sit there, let first light come on, and give it an hour looking at good country and trying to catch these animals moving. And these elk, they were running tight programs. Man, oh man. So I think it's partly like the time of year we're hunting them. August 15th to August 30th, I thought, well, these these elk are going to have their lax summertime attitudes and be out feeding. So I, I compared them to kind of mule deer's habits. But see, the deal is, is, is mule deer... Um, they are susceptible in that early season with that alpine environment, those August seasons, July is a great time to scout. But as they shed their velvet and start to go hard horns, they start to prepare themselves for the rut. And it's one of the toughest times to hunt them is to hunt a, a mule deer in late September, early October, as they move down into secondary cover, they tighten up their programs, they shed their velvet. Well, I felt like elk were the same way in late August. They did not have a lax summertime attitude. They were shedding their velvet and getting ready for the rut. And so they ran tighter programs. I mean, there wasn't a lot of hunting pressure in there or anything, but these bulls would just put away early and they really disappear in cover. And and we had a, a really good hunt. I really want Dan to be successful down there. It took us a few days to turn up our first good six-point bull, and he was just this beautiful wide bowl and he had these huge main beams that came back like chopper bars like a really nice 340 bowl or 340 plus bowl and yeah I mean we tried to make really good plays on them you know it's like I can dissect it now that we're done with it and I was with Dan on all the stocks you know it's like maybe the first couple went a little fast for the conditions and they heard us coming before we got there and it's, it's you're trying to be you're trying to be so quiet in this this noisy terrain and wait for the winds to come up and really make your best play on them. But, you know, to be honest, maybe could have gone some a bit slower on those first two stocks. But we we dropped down. Let's see, I'm not sure. So I'm just trying to think of the scenario. So we found that good six point. He was with three, four other bulls. He was in a really good spot at the bottom of the drainage. We didn't make a play on him in the morning as the winds were kind of shifting. And so we waited all day long. You know, it's a long day out in 90 degree heat, sitting in the shade, moving around a tree, waiting for your chance. And in the evening, these bulls came out and fed and they were in a good spot. We had a good win and we went all in and we dropped down there and the big bull bedded and he was facing away from us. And we were about 120 yards, 130 yards away from him. So we had to close, you know, 70, 80 yards and Dan would have a shot. And he could almost shoot him right in his bed or wait for him to stand up. And we started making this slow creep down. So this is one of the plays we did not move too fast. Um, we were slow, precise, moving down this hillside, keeping an eye on that bull. He's looking away from us and really closing in on this bull. And there was two other bulls that were with this bull. And we couldn't see him. They were gone. And, and all of a sudden, I looked to my right, and one of these bulls had walked out of this aspen patch way over to the right, and he had us pegged. So we're, you know, close to 100 yards to this bull, and this other six-point has us pegged, and we're in a standoff. And finally, that bull blows up, takes the other one with him, and sometimes it's just the, the ones you don't see. And I think it was a good time to go all in with that bull bedded, and we could see him looking away from us. So it was a good play, and... um. You know, the, the big bull and the other six-point never saw us, just the one six-point. They kind of spooked up in the trees, but didn't spook like elk normally do where they change zip codes. And so we really sat down. We watched for—we had time. This was early afternoon or early evening when we caught them. So we watched them for a couple hours. And finally, they fed out on this open hillside and kind of fed across this thing. And so 
Um, we had a good wind and it was kind of that getting that low light. I said, Dan, up to you. You know, we got a chance at this bowl. You know, we might not find him tomorrow or, you know, he, he might relocate. You know, we got a chance at him right now and we've got a good wind. And so we went all in, went for him. And that's maybe one of the plays where we could have moved slower. Uh, Dan was in front. He was cruising country. It was just loud. It was loud country to try to stalk into. I mean, really dry, really crunchy. And so Dan was doing the best he can. But, you know, even he said after the stalk, like, God, I had time. I had 20, 30 minutes. I should have moved slower. Because right as we got into position, the two bulls didn't know we were there. And one bull was kind of on to us. And Dan tried to duck down and, and um, you know, he got a range, ducked down, tried to dial his sight and then kind of pop up. And in hindsight, he said he, he almost should have just stayed up in sight of this animal and then kind of just moved his bow in front of him really slow because when he came back up, that, that smaller six-point busted. They all blew. Dan was drawn. He had a range on the bull, but it, it just didn't pan out. And it's just the way it is. These these animals are so good at catching us. They're so good in their environment. They live 365, and their only goal is to live another day. And so, you know, it, it it's just it's not easy, especially spotting, stalking with the bow. But we kept hunting hard, and, and I was really proud of the way we dissected this unit, really found out where the elk were hanging, started turning some up some better bulls, and made some good plays. Um, gosh, it... It's just like one thing or another. It just didn't pan out. I think in the end, Dan ended up getting five stocks on good six points, maybe six stocks or so. Um, just tough plays. Uh, we had a really good bull with good fronts one day, one of our best plays on the on a bull. We betted him. He was still someplace where we could see him or at least get close and wait for him to stand up, and we made a great play in. And at this point... Uh, we're moving really slow. We're not going to give ourselves away by sound. Dan is dialed. He is going to kill one of these things, you know. And so this great bull with big fronts and worked in on him in his bed. Um, God, that's another thing. You know, even when things look so easy, and I, I've told you guys this before, like when you see an animal and you're going to stalk an animal, it is always going to look different when you get there. <laughs> always. So, like, like mark him on on X where you think he is. Mark your path. Take a picture of it. Take a close up picture of where he's at because it's going to look different when you're over there. And then you have to figure out where he is. And even this bull side hilled over in the timber a little high. And me and Dan kept trying to figure where we were at. We dropped down. We hit the right spot, or so we thought the right spot. And we closed in just ultra slow. And then we're sitting there waiting for that bull to get up. And I just thinking to myself this just doesn't look right this isn't quite right and I looked at my on x and it's the next basin over so it's like no harm no foul we just had moved you know quietly to that basin so we were able to move around relocate that bull bedded and then make a play on them and um it's tough. the The right decision isn't black and white. The right decision is a gray area where you think you can kill that bull. And so we had some open country to cover, but the bull was bedded. Originally, he was looking away. He kind of got up and re-bedded, and then he was facing us. But we had tree limbs and things in the way where I thought we could cross this 60 yards of this opening or 40 yards of this opening and be okay. Even though it's sunlit, even though it's out in the open, we got trees covering us. But it, it wasn't like, you know, and I do this on mule deer all the time where I'm I'm stalking to where that mule deer is and I'm moving through wide open country quietly. Heck, the, the buck I killed on that early season hunt, 
you know, we stalked the wide open and got close, saw his velvet horns, snuck into range, waited for him to stand and shot him. And so, you know, this is a common practice for us. And I just didn't believe we were going to be able to go around the backside of the ridge and then find this bull and all this down timber. So I, I wanted to use our wind. Dan wanted to use our wind. It's all always a group decision, group discussion. We're trying to make that right decision. And we tried to sneak across that opening and we were probably... We were getting close, 60, 70 yards. Uh, we needed another 20 yards to this rock that we were going to hold up and then wait for this bull to stand. And he must have just seen us moving in between some tree branches or something, and he blew up out of there in, in long stalks too. I mean, we're talking deep in the wilderness, seeing these bulls miles off, losing thousands of feet of elevation. Like, um, So one thing I'm proud of is we were all in. We did backpacking trips into the wilderness. We did... Um, you know, <clears throat> big hikes into the, the remote backcountry and any chance any chance we had at a good six-point bull that Dan wanted to shoot, we went for it. Uh, the last stock we had was just epic. It was a evening play at just trying to race down. There was three nice six-points in the bottom. Couldn't find two of them when we got down there. The one we could find tried to make a play on them. Um, it was just getting dark. We were just running out of light. We had to make this climb up the other side of a thousand feet, and it was so. It felt like we were hunting goat country. I mean, just with the rocks and the bluffs and things. And we went all in. We did make it. Found that bull. It was just getting a little dark. We tried to close in, and we just didn't have much light. Had to close in. Made some sound. They knew we were there. Bow range. Dan got drawn. You know, bull busted out of there. So it. It's just one of those deals. Um, we gave it day after day and gave it maximum effort and went for it, but we just came up short. And I, I think those bulls are just tough to hunt during that time of season. Um, not that we couldn't fill that tag or, you know, gosh, we had some opportunities that you always have some opportunities that you wish you could have back and, and redo. It's like, I'll, I'll just, I'll get it right this time. Just let me have, but you don't get that. Like the game we're playing is you have to be, at your best when you when you close in or when you get that opportunity and so you know it's a sad deal but it like like bow hunting isn't a hundred percent and um even with the quality tag there's no guarantee that that um you're gonna fill that tag and there's no guarantee um that, that you're gonna you know just be finding a bunch of big animals and passing a big animals up. like we had to hunt hard it was just as tough a hunting as a lot of the general places i hunt really this this unit was but uh, I was proud of the way we dissected the country, proud of, of our effort, um, you know, proud of uh, some of the plays we made were just great plays. It just didn't pan out. And that's just the way bow hunting is. So I felt bad for Dan and we had to finally call up, come back, reset. And this has just been the, the greatest year of my life to really set myself up. I got podcasts recorded. I got um, uh, works being taken care of, and sure, I've got a bunch on my plate and a bunch I need to do, but I'm I'm able to just hunt and come back, reset, spend a couple days with the family, and then um, go out again. It's it's just a dream come true for me. It's it's what I've what I've always wanted to do in my life, and so you know I'm so fortunate. Come home and gosh, I've been hunting for 16, 18 days, you know, on those couple hunts, and then. Um, you know, pack my bags and get ready for another one. And that's that early season mule deer tag I was telling you about. So this is another, this is a tag I drew. And um, it's, again, it's just tough. You just get there and it's lower deer populations and there's a chance at giants in there. And they, they only give 50 tags. They only give five non-resident tags. And so it's a sought after tag, but 
it's just no gimme. It's um, you get down there, it's lower deer populations. They did kill. I heard they killed a two thirty out of there this year. So there's the chance at a giant, and so that's what I'm holding out for is a giant buck. And so get down there, and of course I want Dan to be successful. Now he's hunted sixteen, eighteen days and hasn't killed an animal yet. And so you know I'm pulling for his success just like my own and. Both have tags, and um, again, it's just showing up in a new place on planet Earth. I really wanted to scout this unit, but I just ran out of time, and so, you know, I don't have the luxury of knowing where these bucks hang out. I have to learn it all in real time, and and that's that's on my own shoulders. I try to try to save my time for actual bow season, but that that scouting, um, gosh, it just gives you such great information. I mean, just even to know the range and where you're going to park and where you're going to hunt, so beneficial. So we show up down there and just start solving the puzzle and figuring things out. And, you know, you, I'm just looking for deer numbers and then smaller bucks and does and things. And that tells me there's a population in there. And then it's just a matter of dissecting it and finding where those older age class deer are. And so um, hot weather, again, you only have an hour in the morning, an hour at night if you're lucky. And just trying to get to the best places and the best vantage points and um, you know, I'm proud of the way we, we figured it out, figured out that unit and, um, you know, tough to find those next level bucks, no matter what tag you have. And so we started turning up some deer and we started turning up some pretty decent bucks. We got Dan a couple different plays on, on really nice bucks. Um, nice, heavy, you know, I think they four points or, um, maybe even three by fours, but good, heavy, mature bucks that he'd be psyched with. And so we made some good plays on those, um, Gosh, one play, we waited four hours for the deer to stand, and he was in three trees on this open hillside. And um, four hours we waited for this buck to stand, and finally it was like, hey, he's not in there. You know, it's evening, the shadows have gotten long, he's not in there. And then Dan picked him up up above us, and um, gosh, we just couldn't get around him to make a play. Um, you know, like like some of these... It's like never stalk reckless, never give yourself away. And we were trying to back out of there and get back around this buck, and he was in a good spot, and he picked us up. He saw us ruin the stock before it ever happened. And, um, gosh, I just hate giving myself away. I hate spooking animals. But, yeah, just the way it goes, keep hunting. Uh, then we got a really good play and a nice three-by-four, um, a nice wide one. And, um went and made a play on him and in close and in bow range one of the two points picked out Dan coming around the the rock cliffs and so everything kind of blew up quick and um he almost killed that buck but but not quite and and we just kept hunting and um I was really waiting for one of these next level bucks and willing to give Dan every opportunity on decent bucks I just know what this unit can hold and you know even though we're not seeing a lot and we haven't even turned up a big next level deer and you know turning up some good bucks, but you know, they're just not quite, I just want to hold that tag and, and try to get a, a chance at one of those big next level bucks. And so we just keep theorizing, keep moving, keep covering country, keep getting into places, keep finding vantage points. And yesterday was our last day in there. And I knew I had to come home for this wedding and, you know, we're running short on supplies. And so we went way back into this spot and we left way before light and, and got back in there and it's getting late morning, and, you know, we we turned up some deer, didn't turn up any big bucks or anything, and that a little bit of effort on the vantage point, it's amazing, like, you just got to keep believing, just keep looking, and, 
uh, Dan did this on that the pass buck that he found. We were sitting on a great vantage point glassing, and I had my my binos tripoded up, and Dan just took a little walk to this little rock peak up there, and it just gave him a little bit of angle on the shade, and he picked out that buck that he ended up stalking and almost killing. Same thing on this deal. Uh, we got a vantage point. We're looking around, and I just started walking over to the edge of this canyon and walked over, and you know, just that little bit of effort, I went over, grabbed a new vantage point, and picked out some does, and then all of a sudden I pick out this buck. Ooh, what a buck. Oh, my gosh. Heavy horns, great fronts, great backs, good width, good height, and then he's got a sticker out each side, just like this fucking, just this mega buck, you know? It's just, he's the one I'm looking for. And um, so I went back and told Dan, I said, yeah, I got a pretty good buck. And I watched him go around the edge of this cliff, and I didn't watch him come. I watched him, and he never came out of there. And so I figured he bedded right there. I had a good win, good play. It was our, our last, last go at it. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, Dan, just the great hunting partner it is, says, well, I'll, I'll film for you. Go, go try to kill that buck. And so uh, we got our stuff and went down there and went and made a play at him. And this is where I just want to be so clutch. I, I finally, I've you know, I've been hunting a week and I haven't had an opportunity with my bow. And you take that week and then the week and a half I hunted with Dan, and you know, I I've, I've been more than a couple weeks where I haven't even made a play with my bow. Like I, I've just been trying to help Dan out and trying to look for the right animal. But now I get my chance. You know, now it's it's time to show what I can do and uh, be clutch. Put a good arrow in this buck. So we, we get over and he's, um, I, I work my way to the edge of the cliff. I'm really slow and precise, trying not to make any noise. And I get there and there's another shelf down below me. And so, man, I mean, I don't know exactly where this buck is going to be, but I know off that next shelf, he's going to be close. And, and, um, so I sneak down there and there was just no other play around him, but right over the top, just a, a muley cliff shot, you know, and, and, um. I get to the edge real quietly and slowly and I peek over and I see that thing and he's right below me and I can see his antlers and, and he's five yards down below me. Like, like I mean, close. I think I could have jumped off the cliff with my arrow and stabbed him, but the deal is, is I can see his horns looking around erratic and I just had to stalk so close to this buck that he knows something's up. He's, he's heard a rock or he's, you know, He's heard something, but he is just nervous, and he's looking around. And so I really made the right move of not putting myself over there. I just kept a look on his horns, kept ready to shoot. And the moment he looks away, I'm going to pop over and put a perfect arrow in this buck. And all of a sudden, he blows up, and he starts bounding, and he bounds around the cliff corner. And so I kind of hustle the next few steps, you know. Maybe in hindsight, like I'm, I've watched the video now, like— too many times to count I mean this one this one cut deep and it hurt bad so he's scrambled around the edge of the cliff I scrambled to the top of the cliff I look over the top and there he is he's down there broadside and um try to draw back slow and he's off the cliff where I gotta aim so far downhill and I I just get anchored I need about five seconds to um execute a good shot on an animal and, and I know that, and if I'm not going to hit him, I'm not going to shoot at him, or at least that's the mindset that I try to have on these deals. But the deal is, is he's broadside, and he's 20 yards off the cliff or 25 yards off the cliff. And so I draw back, find my anchor, just find my pins, and then I watch this buck, and he's starting to roll to the to the right, slowly turn, and like he's he's going. He's gone. He's going to spook out of there. 
and I I tried to flip my 20-yard pin on him and punch that thing off, you know, try to put that arrow in him before he spun or before he got all the way spun, it, it just wasn't a good shot. It was it was so quick. It was I found my anchor threw my pin on body somewhere and, and, and made the shot go. Like it wasn't swim. It wasn't execute. It wasn't all that stuff that I talk about executing a good shot, putting a precision, like he was 20 yards. I, and I tried to shoot him as he wheeled and, um, he shot right over top of him. Didn't touch him. Arrow just went right over top into the rocks in there and he busted. And then, you know, I just get to watch him going away at 40, 50, 60, 70. You know, he just never stops for a shot and um, spooks out of there. And I am crushed. <sighs> I say, I, I try not to get frustrated. I try not to throw tantrums. And I, I didn't on this. I didn't throw anything. Or I, I am just so upset at myself. Like, um, I, I know the execution of that shot was freaking horrible. Um, I, I panicked as he started to roll. I made my shot go like there's a million different ways I could have played that scenario that may have worked. Um, shoot him on the roll or even, you know, let him turn around and then shoot the other side of him, let him spin and, and go. And maybe he stops again, or I can shoot him on the move. I mean, he's like 20 yards, shoot him on the move, going the other way, which I know isn't a great game plan either, but there was just other options there. And I, I panicked. He started to roll, and I've done this before on animals, and this this one makes me so angry. I hate it when I do this, but like a uh, draw back on a bull, and you're just settling your pins, and then he goes to spook, and he starts to spook, and you punch that arrow off, and it's just nowhere close. It's just like, what an idiot. Why would I take that shot? And so I'm just so upset at myself, you know, all the, the preparation, all the hard work, all the effort. Uh, priding myself on on being clutch in these moments and I I I mean I just duffed the shot. I mean, and maybe he was going to spook anyways and that was my only chance for a shot and I gave myself a chance. You know, that's one way to think about it, but that's also like letting my ego off like uh easy. The deal is is I um I I made that shot go. It was not a great shot. My pins were not settled. I was not ready to shoot. I should have just waited. A buck may have bounded off, may have stopped again. Even if it's a longer shot, it's a broadside. He's still, I get to settle my pins. Or, or maybe he doesn't give me a shot, and, and that's it is what it is. But uh, to make that mistake and to execute a bad shot, to punch that thing off, oh, I feel about an inch tall. I just, um, you know, I tell you guys all the time, bow hunting, it's the highest of highs, but it'll also take you to the lowest of lows, and that's... That's the lowest I've been for a while. Oh my gosh, I was just um, crushed, and I felt, I felt an inch tall. But you know, you you can't have those ones back. You have to live with them. And it's like, you know, as I look at it, it really bugged me yesterday, and I just keep thinking about it, keep overplaying it. Oh, and then I have video of it that I've played a million times and looked at it, and you know, you just don't get them back. This is the nature of the beast. This is the game that we play, and. Um, I like I like those sports comparisons as I said, you know, like Kobe Bryant doesn't hit every game winner. Tom Brady doesn't make, you know, every touchdown pass. Sure, he's um he makes a lot of them. Or Kobe hits a you know, he hit a lot of game winners and uh, man, that Kobe Bryant death that was such a tough deal, but man, I really admire that guy to just that competitive edge, like watching him and then that that latest Michael Jordan documentary. God, that thing was just insane. The 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 
the will and the want to be great and then to put in all the work behind it. Like Kobe Bryant had so much skill and talent, but he was so good because of his work ethic. He was constantly practicing and shooting and, and, and um, you know, you don't get to, you get to practice your shot and you get to practice archery, but you don't get a lot of scenarios like you, you don't get to practice that game-winning shot with that pressure on you. When you just get that game-winning shot, and then you have to be at your best. You have to be clutch. And same thing with bow hunting. You're going to get these opportunities, and you have to be clutch and close deals. But, you know, it's like you can look at it multiple different ways. I can sit and cry about it forever and um, let it ruin my whole season or get back to work. You know, get to the next game and uh, the next game winning shot. I want the ball in my hands. Like uh, I want that high pressure situation. I want to have to try to make a shot. Like those are the moments that I live for. And and so all I can do is get back on the horse and and get back out there. And this isn't the end of my story. My season still continues on. In fact, this hunt still continues on. Um, I'm going to reset and uh, Dan's got to head back to work, but I'm going to go back down solo, and I'm going to give everything I have for this buck. Like, I know the canyon that he likes to live in, so I know his home range. Uh, maybe he's moved from there. Maybe I'll never see the buck again, and that was my one chance. But I'm going to go give it another week of living in there, just trying to hunt that buck, trying to relocate him, and I'm going to try to find redemption. I'm going to try to execute that good shot that I know I can, and it's it's like um, you, you can't let self self-doubt creep in you know and you can't beat yourself up for it like um you know there's a there's a lot of things that that I did right in this failure so it's looking at this failure and it's it's looking how I can get better like um how I can learn from it and and not panicking not punching shots off waiting for the right opportunity is a huge part of it you know and I I need to learn that hard lesson and and really it's um what I enjoy is the pursuit of excellence the the pursuit of trying to be great and so you know, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get back to work and I'm going to go earn another opportunity. It might be on that buck. It might be, you know, maybe I find a different buck or, or maybe, you know, I end up eating this, this tag and I, I put in two weeks of time and I, I don't end up filling it. And then I'm on to elk season, but I've got a bunch of hunts here and I've got a bunch of chances at redemption. And now it's just about closing a deal and, and doing my part and, and thinking about it and, um, doing the best I can. So my, my story isn't over and, and um, failure is the building blocks to success. Like, um, if, if you're not failing, you know, you didn't pick a hard enough challenge. Like, uh, if I wanted it to be easier, you know, I'd, you know, not that hunting with a rifle is easy, but it's it's easier to close a deal. You got an extended range. You can squeeze on your, you know, there's a lot of a lot of advantages to it. But I choose to hunt with a bow and arrow, and I choose to hunt public ground. And um, it's one of the, the toughest endeavors that, that I've ever taken on and then to be consistently successful, you know, it, it, it's just, it's dang tough. And I've committed my entire life to this and then to, to miss or to mess up an opportunity like that, it eats me alive. But only thing I can do is get back on the horse and I have a lot of confidence in my skills. I know I put in the work. I've got time. Like, let's, let's go make this thing happen. Let's go kill that buck, you know? Um, so, so that's where I'm at it. Um, Huge failure, crushed me, made me feel about an inch tall. And and in those moments, you have a couple decisions. Like, I can either quit bow hunting and give it in, which I would never do. I love it way too much. Or I can, I can get back to it and not let it eat me alive. You know, learn from that failure, but I did a lot of things right as well. Like, uh, being able to dissect that country and give it a week and hold out for that next level buck 
and then to be able to find him, to be able to dissect country and find where he lives. And in hunting this country, there's a lot of this this unit that doesn't hold hardly any deer. It's about like learning this unit and really trying to find the type of habitat that he's in. And I really specialize in the high country. I read high country really well. I've killed a bunch of bucks up there. Like I know it like the back of my hand. And I, I hunt sage hunts and foothills hunts as well. But during this early season, you know, this is fairly new to me. And early season and, you know, the big bucks are not on the top of the mountain. They're down in the sagebrush and in the ribbon rock cliffs and in rough and rugged country. And so just trying to look at this country and, and figure out where I want to be, where the deer populations are, and, and where a big old buck can grow up. And we did solve the puzzle. I found a big buck, made a good play on him, you know, I know it was our last day. We didn't have any any water left or hardly any water, like 16 ounces a piece, getting hot. Like it was it was the chance I had to make a play on this buck. Um, but it but it is really waiting for the right opportunity. And stalking five yards above a buck is, you know, that's not quite the right opportunity either. Like it, it could have came together. Maybe he was lower on the cliff and he could have been 15, 20 yards, but he wasn't. That's where he bedded. I didn't know his exact bed. I knew he walked around the edge of the cliff and that's what I ended up with. Man, I had like, I had like twenty seconds while he was five yards away from me, and I I knew not to come over the top because he was erratic. His horns were looking around. He knew something was up, and um, you know, so I didn't pop out over that cliff, which would have really blown him up. You know, I waited, and then he ended up kind of spooking down, but then stopping twenty yards on the other side of the cliff or whatever. So, um, man, it's it's almost it's close, but um. What I really enjoy is the adventure, the process, and the pursuit of excellence and trying to be at my very best. I just, I absolutely love this game. And so, um, man, it's back to work for me. Uh, Back to work, see if I can go give it another week, see if I can turn up that buck again and earn another opportunity. I know his home range, and um, I think he'll return there, but maybe he'll be, you know, maybe he'll change locations. I don't, you know, I don't know the deer's habits very well in this country, so I'm just learning. But, uh, you know, a lot of things I did right, one thing I did wrong, crush me. I feel about an inch tall, but, yeah, that's fine. I'm going to pick myself up and uh, work harder than ever before, and um, I need to make sure I'm shooting my arrows every day, every day that I can on these hunts. Uh, anytime I can throw out a target, make sure I'm on, and then practice that execution. If I can't, you know, if I'm in the backcountry or in the wilderness and I can't hunt, I need to pull out, like I make this string loop, and this string loop, it's the exact size of my draw length and I can hook my release to it and then loop my hand in it and I can just pull on my shot and visualize shooting at that animal and executing that perfect shot. I am chasing a perfect shot right now. I need it so bad. I just need to put a perfect arrow into one of these critters, execute my perfect shot and have it be a done deal. So, I mean, that's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm visualizing. That's what I'm practicing. And uh, the story doesn't end here. I've got a lot of season left. I've got elk tags and deer tags and late season tags. And so, man, just keep at it and keep at the grind and and um, try not to get frustrated and, and learn from that failure and be better, but also don't let it eat me alive. Like I can, you know... <laughs> You guys, I've been doing this podcast now for five years. You guys can remember the last buck, like a good 205 that I missed where the the wind drift got me and it wind drifted by the front of his chest and I missed him. And that one ate me alive for a little bit. You know, it's good. It's good to humble me. It's good. You know, I kill that buck and I feel like a hero and he's got double kickers and 
you know, sure, I get to look like a hero to all you guys and um, a hero to myself, and here I killed this giant buck and this great accomplishment, but does that really keep me hungry? You know, that's, um, I'm in the pursuit of excellence. So it's, um, you know, and don't get me wrong, those successes feel so good and they're so fulfilling. If I would have made a perfect shot on that animal and hit him right before he wheeled, I would have been a hero. But I'm not. And that's the way it is. And so like like these failures and this drive for redemption and drive for the perfect shot keeps me hungry, keeps me working hard, keeps me focused. So, you know, it's, it's a good thing. If I can't close a deal under high pressure on a big buck like that, I don't deserve them. And and I had my chance. I could have waited. I could have played that scenario different. But if I can't close a deal under high pressure, I don't, I don't I don't deserve them. Like um, I need to be better. And uh, so so there's just still a lot of room for improvement in my game. And it's part of the reason I love this backcountry bow hunting is there's no limit to how good you can get and how proficient you can get. So moving forward. I want to make really smart plays. I want to be really patient and slow. I mean, God, this just teaches you like how patient you have to be. That day we sat four hours on Dan's buck waiting for him to stand when he wasn't there. Um, four hours of not doing it, the sitting still. I was more sore that day than some of the days that we hiked really hard. Uh, it is so tough to be still. And we were just trapped in 90 degree sunshine in the heat. And just baking there and readjusting our legs and trying to be ready for when he stood and, and not making much noise. But that's the patience that I that kills animals is being so slow and patient. When I get a chance at an animal, it's it's slowing down enough to where you can be quiet enough to keep that element of surprise. And and one of the mistakes I made, that buck heard me coming. Um, buck heard something, heard us up on the hill, you know, it's five yards above him and you know, he blew up. If that buck doesn't know I'm there and I see his horns down below me, maybe I come over the top and I shoot him at five yards or I wait for him to get up and then I put a perfect shot. So like I kind of forced my hand there by him hearing me come in and, you know, I don't know that I'd, I would have played it any different in the scenario we were in or it's the situation we're in, but I have to be better. I have to keep that element of surprise. I have to not let those animals know I'm there and then let them get up and stand up and give me that shot. Just... Um, that patience, that really slow movement, and it's all about slowing down. It's so slow, so quiet, picking my footfalls and really setting my, my foot down slowly and quietly and um, not exposing myself, not letting a- other animals see me, like just being at the top of my game. Uh, it's all going to come down to, to making that stock and then and then making that, that shot, so... Um, yeah, I've got a chance at a lot of season left and, and some good hunts coming up. So, man, I just got to get after it. So, um, I'm going to learn from this failure. It's going to make me better and it's going to keep me hungry. And, uh, it's just the way it is. When you set lofty goals, sometimes you come up short and I'm reminded of like, um, you know, I, I love that, that book by David Goggins. I read that thing again on mental toughness. It's just such a great book on breaking your governor and pushing hard. But even you look at a guy like that, it is so driven and, and so much mental toughness and has honed his mental toughness. But, you know, it it took him three times to make it through Bud's training, uh, to be a Navy SEAL. He failed twice at it, almost failed a third time. And I mean, the guy ran on broken legs and his story is just amazing. His mental toughness and what he went through to be able to accomplish it. But the the moral of the story is, is that if you set your goals high enough, like you are going to fail. Failure is a prerequisite to success. And in all of us bow hunting, trust me, 
You're going to fail and you're going to fail. You're going to fail on stocks. You're going to fail on shots before you get it done. Like a uh, failure is a prerequisite to, to being successful. And you know, it's, it's just, again, it's me paying my dues. It's me learning a hard lessons and yeah, it crushes me. I would have loved to arrow that buck, but you know what? Good. Keep, keep me driven, keep me improving. And, and, and good. It's like set lofty goals. Also David Goggins did that pull up record. So wild took him three attempts to break this pull-up record, the most pull-ups in 24 hours or something of that nature. And he had trained for it, trained really hard. Well, his first attempt he did with Matt Lauer on the Today Show in like uh, uh, Times Square, like uh, in a place where everybody could see him doing it or they had film on him the whole time. And um, he gave his all, but he failed. He, he made it like halfway to his goal. So here he thought that he had put in the work, put in the time, he had thought about it, prepared, and he came up short, and then he went to do it again and failed again. Like just um, uh, uh, blistered up his hand so bad where it was just raw meat, and he just, he wanted it so bad, but, you know, it, it was out of his grasp at that point. And so it took those couple failures where he went and and he he reset. He, he learned from his failures. He didn't let him crush him. And... Um, he finally got it on the third try. It's just an amazing story. But, you know, he also failed at, like, uh, was it? He made it through Army Ranger School, but there was, like, this this army, this special task force that he really wanted to make. And uh, it was all about navigating. I think he had, like, two chances at that. And he made this mistake where he had to reach five points in a certain time or six points in a certain time. And he, he um, took these power lines to where he thought he should have gone. And, and he got turned around and... Uh, he started daydreaming about um, finishing the course and doing good because the guy's just an animal. He was doing good with everything, uh, but he missed his time and he's out of the course and he doesn't make this, you know, this this army group he wanted to make or you know he didn't make the dev group for the seals. Like there was a there was a bunch of failures along with his successes, and you know I think they're crucial and and critical for self improvement. And again, I am in the pursuit of excellence. That's what I want to enjoy. Like uh, uh I. I know what's possible in, in this bow hunting world. I, I know what I can accomplish all on on this really tough to hunt public ground. Like I have the toughness. I have the skill sets. It's all there. Just I just have to put it together. And I've proven it time and time again that I, I can be clutch. I can make these shots. I, you know, I've got a house full of trophies that show for it. But it's it's not resting on my laurels. It's, um, it's getting better and improving. And um, like I say, I think, I think this failure is good for me, <laughs> you know, as twisted as that is. Uh, so, um, man, I'm going to keep hungry. In fact, I am, I'm starving. I, I want this so bad and, um, I know it's going to be tough. It's going to be the toughest thing I've ever done to try to put a quality arrow in one of these game animals. But, um, man, I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to keep at it and I, I'm going to close a deal and I'm going to taste those sweet, sweet rewards or taste that sweet success. I just know it. I've done it enough times. I believe in the process. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. I just wanted to share with you guys my season. You guys have been so supportive and uh, just good to catch you up on on uh, some of the hunts I've been on. And then, you know, I want to share my successes with you, but I also want to share my failures and my shortcomings. And um, it really, it makes me the man that I am. And um, so that's where I'm at. Uh, this, again, this solo podcast, this may have been more of a therapy session for me than, uh, than, than an actual, 
um, uh, podcast, but I, I like sitting down doing these solo ones. Um, you guys keep downloading them, so uh, you know I'm hoping you guys like them too, and uh, just share my honest and and um, authentic thoughts on things and what runs through my mind and how how my season's going. So uh, it's it's not all roses and butterflies, you know. There's a um, a lot of heartbreak and grit and toughness, and um, man, I mean. This, this bow hunting just requires absolute dedication. Um, and, and even then, <laughs> you, you can still fall short of your goals. When you set lofty goals like that, uh, lofty goals to, to kill, you know, a, a giant buck on public ground, you know. It's it tough to even find one of those giant bucks on public ground. It, it, it is so tough out there just to find a decent one or arrow a decent buck. But then to set your, to set my standards so high, set such lofty goals like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up short here and there. It's just the way it is. But I believe in the process. I believe in self improvement. Uh, this is not the end of my story. This is not the last solo podcast you're gonna hear. Uh, I've I've got a lot of time and uh, a lot of places to go travel. So uh, hopefully I didn't ramble too bad on this solo podcast. Again, it is it is just a stream of consciousness. So. It's all fresh. This is what's running through my head. This just happened yesterday morning. I'm just home today. Uh, we'll go to this wedding. Who gets married in September? Is it ridiculous? Uh, but no, it'll be a good time. It's um, good to spend time with my family. And you know, these hunts, these give me so much perspective on my life too. Like being out there and being in these tough conditions and and, and putting everything on the line like gives me a lot of time to reflect upon my life and what's really important, you know. My, my family and my friends are the most important thing to me. And, you know, I'll think about work or things I need to do to, to further my financial position or whatever. But, yeah, that's not what drives me. That's, that's not what fuels me. That's not what makes me happy. What makes me happy is chasing my passion and, and chasing excellence, like trying to be the best I can be, putting everything into this backcountry bow hunting and letting the chips fall where they do. You know, let, it, it's... um. It's truly what I love about this, and I love having this passion in my life. I mean, here I am, forty years old, and I'm I'm still driven like I'm a professional athlete, or like I'm back in my high school wrestling days. Like I, it, it's not for financial gain. It's it's um, it's 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 a self fulfilling prophecy. Like it's this self fulfilling uh, endeavor that I take on to make me a better person. And this, it gives me such reflection on my life. And, and, um, man, I just appreciate my family so much. Like I just have the, the most support and the best family. My wife's here taking care of things. So proud of my daughters. Like, um, they're back in school, which is just awesome. Uh, kids need to be busy and they're back in sports and hopefully things don't get shut down or canceled or, you know, um, with this, this COVID has been so crazy, but, um, so proud of my oldest daughter. She's a junior this year, and um, I don't know if I've talked about it or posted about it much, but she she loves volleyball. And, you know, I've always told these girls, like, figure out what you love to do and put your effort into that, um, you know, whatever it is. And volleyball is another thing where, you know, it's not, it's not chasing financial gain. It's putting everything into it and improving. And, you know, she's she's five foot. She's not one of these six foot girls that, um, gets an easy road to the top. And so it's been really tough for her. And through that, she has just embraced it, embraced the grind. And she absolutely loves it. And the core friend she has. And, you know, when you're young, you need something to, to base your personality on or something to, something to kind of, you know, like I had wrestling as a kid and, and 
true I hung my hat on bow hunting for a long time you know my bow hunting success and and really it helped shape the person I am and the character I have and um same thing with her volleyball it's given her an identity and something to work hard towards and so not only has she worked at volleyball she's played on traveling teams and she's traveling to all these practices she's so committed she's never missed an open gym um she's always there and these traveling teams you know they're on top of the high school teams and seasons she plays and she's just she's gone all in and really put in the work to improve her game to be the absolute best she can be and and um yeah this year year she made the varsity squad which is I'm just so happy and proud of her she's just she's worked so hard at it and it's it's like this it's like um you know there's her her class is really competitive and there's a bunch of athletic girls and there's only so many spots on that that varsity squad and so for her to put in the work and the self-improvement and to really get that much better where her coaches take notice and she's in the rotation it just it, it makes me so happy like if I could teach my girls any life lesson you know it, it'd be this work ethic or this uh to work hard towards your goals to you know, to, to really put everything into it and, and then let the chips fall where they do. And, and that's exactly what she's done, which is just amazing. And, and along with that, I'm so proud of her for good grades. I'm proud of her at the, at the, the woman she's becoming, she's just a great person, you know, but, um, this, this volleyball has been pretty neat, uh, pretty neat for her to make the varsity squad and see her accomplish her goals and then really be, uh, an, an integral part of, of this team. Um, man, it's really cool. And, and same thing with my younger daughter. Uh, she's in seventh grade this year, and um, she's doing really good on, on her volleyball team and um, playing hard and putting in the work. And she's she hasn't played the traveling volleyball. She hasn't got there yet, but she is out all summer long playing with that volleyball. And I go out and play with her out in the yard, and it's something we can do together and see how many hits we can get in a row and um, hit back and forth, bump to each other and set to each other and, you know, just be a good dad like um I, I have this pursuit of bow hunting and it's what I absolutely love and they give me their full support. And, and so I just try to do the same, give them my full support, be really present when I'm home, like spending time with them. And then like, you know, it, I get in my runs and I'm so disciplined, you know, I, I need to be the same discipline with, with, um, um, you know, not only spending time with my family, but but being engaged with my family in the evening, you know, a lot of times I get worn out from work or worn out from podcasts after work or whatever the case is, but it is my job and my duty to engage with them back and forth to, to really support their lives and, um, be with them, uh, laugh and spend quality time with them and my, my wife. And, and so that's part of what this, this wedding is. I complain about that, but come home for a couple of days and, uh, going to hang out with the family. We're going to go have fun at the wedding today. And, laugh and joke around and um I need to have that same discipline with with house chores too is is just being driven all the time and you know like I've had some of these decisions or choices you know just little ones that have came up but every time I'm faced with a little decision I need to try to make the 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 right decision so you know it's like my wife's so good and so come home the other night and I mean this is just an example or one that's on the on the forefront of my mind but we were you know, w- wife was getting ready to do dinner and she had some chicken and she was just going to pan fry it up or whatever. And um, so I said, oh, you know, I had this choice to either let her cook for me and, um, you know, which would have been fine. And some grilled up chicken with veggies and, you know, salad and stuff would have been fine. You know, just let her cook it up and don't say anything. But 
Instead, just like every chance I get, just step up and go, oh, hey, let me throw those on the barbecue. That'd be really good on the barbecue. Or, you know, it, just those little things. Or, gosh, I, I really need to leave, but, you know, I, I should take this trash and set up my family right so they've got empty garbage cans and I should really cut the grass. And, you know, just doing all these these little things when I'm faced with a decision, even if it's a tough decision or, you know, they're going to to Bozeman to go grocery shopping. It's easy for me to stay home and get my run in and shoot my bow and do the things I like to do. But, you know, faced with these decisions, like these girls are going to be gone before I know, at least (laughs) I don't know about my wife, but at least my daughters, you know. Um, So it's just spending this quality time with them, trying to be engaged and and trying to have fun and laugh like uh, the most important things in life. And that, and that's like, like, Missing that deer crushes me, right? It makes me feel an inch tall. It, I put so much into it, and I failed. Like, um, But in the grand scheme of things, m- my family's still healthy. I've got all this time to go enjoy what I love to do, to be able to be out and bow hunt. My wife loves me. Like, I, I've got so much going for me, so many good things, that, that it's to, to get down on something like that. It's like, man, in the grand scheme of things, it's... I, I'm just fortunate enough to be out there and, and be out enjoying what I love to do and be able to spend time with my really good buddy, Dan, who supports me and I support him. And so, like, um, you know, those are the those are the things that are important. Like, um, I have it really good. It could be way worse. I, I could have, uh, you know, I could have hurt myself on one of those motorcycle racks or, you know, God forbid something happened, you know, where you really have problems. Like, Life is all about perspective and how you look at it. And uh, backcountry bow hunting does give me such great perspective in my life, my relationships, and, and everything I do. It's 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 really shaped the man I am. And so I just I just want to continue it, continue this pursuit of excellence, continue to be the best family man I can, and do everything I can, and and enjoy life. Like uh, man, it is so short. It's gonna be over with in a blink of the eye. Like I, I can't, I've been a kid my whole life and finally like I'm, I'm a 40 year old man, like years are adding up. Like I'm going to have to work even harder as these years click off to keep myself in this good shape, to keep doing what I love to do. But man, there's no guarantees in life and, and, and good guys, you don't always, it's not always a fair shake. Some of the best people, you know, have health issues come up or problems or things that, so like, like nothing, nothing is guaranteed. I'm not guaranteed 10 more hunting seasons. I'm not guaranteed five more hunting seasons. I'm, I'm guaranteed today for now. And so really trying to make the most out of each and every one of those days and just be happy in life, like really enjoy life and every bit of it. Like it's time with my family off time, uh, enjoy working, enjoy bow hunting, enjoy fishing, like all these things I love to do. Like, like, just enjoy it and take it in. Like, life's a journey, man. It's going to be over before we know it. Um, and, and it clicks off so quick. Five years goes so quick. Ten years goes so quick. Um, we're, all, we're, all, we're all getting older, and, and it's um, life is short. It, you better do the things you love to do and um, give the people that you, you love everything you have and, and try to show them you know, what they mean to you. Like, like that's the meaning of life. So, all right, I'm rambling. Solo podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, failure is a prerequisite to success. Uh, just keep working hard out there, you guys. And and take those, you know, you guys are just coming into some hunts as well. I know you guys have already done some hunts, but you're coming into your, to your hunting season. Really try to make good on these opportunities. When you get a chance at a stock, when you, you know, it, it's really easy when you're sitting in range 
and you don't know if that buck's there to throw a rock or to, oh, I'm just going to sneak in and he ends up blowing out of there. Like, take those opportunities serious and really try to be at your best when you get those chances at critters. And, um, you know, because you, you know, same, same thing as life doesn't last forever. You, you don't, you're only going to get so many opportunities at trophies to close a deal. And you, you have to be great in that moment. And, um, I was not in my last moment. Uh, but I promise I'm going to work harder than ever to be great in my next encounter and, and to execute that perfect shot and put that arrow in there. So, man, I'm pumped. All right. I'm going to get to uh, my cousin's wedding here and um, get packed up, get some laundry going now, get some more food loaded up. I'm going to go hunt that big buck again with that sticker. So maybe I'll never see him again. Maybe I'll cross paths with him and get another chance. Um, but, but I know if I can give it my all, you know, it'll be no regrets at the end of the season. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go look for that buck and live in the heat and live solo for another week out there. And man, I just hope I can, I can turn him up and, and earn another opportunity or another chance. Um, so, so we'll see. That's, um, that's where I'm at. Thanks you guys. Um, all the support just means the world to me. I love doing this podcast. I love sharing this with you guys. And I love that you guys connect with it and um, enjoy it. It just means the absolute world to me, like this, this um, small-town kid from, like, Ennis, Montana, you know, that, that I can do this podcast or put together this thing in my basement, and you guys enjoy listening to it and in, enjoy listening to, to my journey as a bow hunter and um, conversations I have with other guys. So, all right, I got to wrap this thing up. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate you.